Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kim McCusick is joining us as he does every Tuesday for Film Study Baltimore. Ken, I would ask you what's going on, but that would be the dumbest question ever because we all know what's going on. So I'll ask you this. Inquiring minds want to know, you saw the All-22. Lamar Jackson on that strip sack. We saw the still picture, and it looked as if he had room to run. But we do know when people are moving, those things close up quickly. Is that a play that he should have ran, or was he looking for something bigger than that? You know, either would have been okay, but he held the ball too long. And that, that sack, actually, a lot of people blaming on Ronnie Stanley for getting beat on that side. I and did. It, it was after three seconds. Okay. So, so for, for, I didn't even score him for a deduction on the play. It's, uh, we just did the offensive line last night, and it's, uh, it, it's, it was an unfortunate circumstance. But a lot of what Lamar did on this game is on Lamar. Uh, and then there were a fair number of odd man pressures. When they brought an extra man, they brought it through an empty gap, and they were very effective doing that. Um, and, and, you know, it's just uh, – Unfortunately, a lot of that comes down to Lamar's got to either get rid of the ball more quickly or he's got to do more with the opportunity. He actually was very good under pressure. Uh, we can talk about that a little later, but but uh, was not good, in fact, when he had ample time and space. I, how do I you know, just write this in my mind where you have the number one rushing team in the NFL, the Chiefs gave up 182 yards to the, the Bills a week before, and we have six carries between our two running backs. And... And I made fun of people for you know looking back at the nineteen you know Titans debacle. I'm saying this is not the same team. They're not going to. It's like I watched this movie already. It was like Groundhog Day. You fall behind by one score and you abandon the running game. Like how do I you know get this justify this? Yeah. So uh, you know obviously a lot of running comes down to situational play. I'm not excusing it, but it it does become harder and you have fewer plays that you're really talking about. They couldn't really run in the fourth quarter, obviously, because they were down you know, more than one score and they had to catch up. And uh, earlier on in the game, they were just too unsuccessful converting even one first down to, to stay on the field. And then when they had their big plays, you know, they had a big run that was mixed in with, with, what, three big passes in a row that ended mm-hmm. up with a flower score. So it's hard to judge that negatively. Well, yeah. all right, so as far as <clears throat> game plan, I didn't understand defensively what they were doing on the first two drives, and then they locked in. Um, I've been saying all year long, I think Mike McDonald is a genius. Like, I think the guy's, uh, I don't know if he's back next year because I think somebody's going to kick the tires on him. But I didn't understand that. they were. It was like death by a thousand paper cuts. And when you take someone that's as good as Pat Mahomes and you give him that underneath and he can throw right off the line of scrimmage and get five to seven yards on each play, um, they really got nickel and dime there. Yeah, very much so. If you look at the the stats, you know, it's a, it's a game where the Ravens probably could have won it given the the – 
small yardage throws he was doing. In fact, the Ravens have been successful with all the good quarterbacks this year, basically forcing them to play small ball because they take away the long pass. And they did it effectively to Mahomes in this game. They only really allowed the the play to MVS at the end of the game that sealed the game on on third and nine or whatever it was for uh, on the last drive. But, uh, yeah, they, they did a good job, honestly, with that. Mahomes was not particularly successful when he had a lot of pocket time. He was successful under pressure. And uh, and it was a game where you know the Ravens finally got to rushing five and six more in the second half. They were successful with that. They really weren't as, did, nearly as successful rushing four. Did you have a time uh, an issue? Sorry to jump in with uh, the way they use the timeouts at the two minute warning. Because all right, so like my line of thinking, I would have rather ran it down the two and had the timeout because if they throw it on mm-hmm. third down, then I still have one in my back pocket. Yep. If they decide, you know, if it's incomplete, then I got my timeout in my back pocket. If not, then I call the timeout. And we're set up the same exact way right? to a degree, you know. Um, but I just, I thought that was, I don't know, it was just something I was thinking in the moment that I would have used the timeouts differently. I was yelling it at the time just to be It's minutiae, exactly. but like, yeah. I don't know, it just, it matters a little bit more to me. Yeah, and so if if the pass had gone incomplete, I probably would have, would have. You know, cared about it a little bit more, I guess. But but if uh, it's completed, the, it's neither here nor yeah, there. Yeah, and in the in the first half, they actually allowed the clock to run down to two minutes too. If you remember that, I could, actually didn't know what half you're talking about initially. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken yeah. yeah. McHugh joins us from FilmStudyBaltimore.com. Ken, a lot was talked about with the officiating. Uh, you have anything to add to all the uh, the, the noise out there about officials? Okay, so there's a few things going on here, and and the first thing I want to say is that I'm I'm convinced that there is nothing about Sean Smith or his crew that is inherently corrupt or that they're, they're somehow being paid off or anything mm-hmm. like that. So let's start with that. Okay. But, but I think that, that there, there still can be natural biases occur that could occur procedurally. And um, an example of this would be, and for those who don't know, Sean Smith, the most extreme road-friendly referee crew in the entire NFL. Now, it's not all his crew is part of the thing. It's an all-star crew, and it's it's some his crew, and then other p- positions get replaced uh, when, when he appears in a playoff game like this. But if you think about how could something like that occur without an official being biased, the way it would occur is, is something like this. They talk together before the game, or they practice together, they do whatever, and they say, um, let's make sure we get out there, call them like we see them, and don't let the crowd call them for you. Well, as soon as you do that, you know, then right. you know, the crowd says, wait a minute, that's holding you. Kind of, and, you know, they're on it right away. And then you're sitting there with your flag half out of your pocket trying to decide if you need mm-hmm. to throw it or not. And so, you know, you don't want to get a, a crew that's in that position. So anyway, the only really new thing I have to add to this is that it, it, maybe football <laughs> needs a set of peremptory exemptions, exclusions. What are they called, Ed? The, the, when you, when you, for jury selection? Peremptory something or other. Well, they strike them. They just yeah, strike jurors. Yeah, strike, yeah. Yeah, strike jurors. So, so anyway, each each both the defense and the and the prosecution, for example, have the have the opportunity to strike jurors, and they they have a certain number of ones they can use without any reason. Mm-hmm. So you know, basically, you'd you'd propose three officiating crews for a game, and maybe four times per season in secret prior to the game, a team is allowed to uh, say, "No, I don't want that officiating crew on this game." And that was always leaves you with one that would be left then to, to, to do the game. So that would be the only thing that I would add to this. And I think if everybody needs to decide for themselves whether they thought the, the, the flags in the game were questionable or not. I, do, I did have some, but I'm not, it's not something I, I feel like talking about. Oh, I, <clears throat> the Ravens defense, the people, obviously they gave up two right away, which looked like it was going to be a disaster, you know, mm-hmm. a route, frankly. The, the first, you know, the first half. 
the defense somehow just got their act together, give up no points in the second half for six punts uh, the game. It just, I mean, where does the blame lie? If you, the defense seems like they did their job because all that matters is the final score. You have 17 points against Patrick Mahomes. You lose the game. How, like, if you're going to point to anything, was it Munkin? Did he not do Lamar favors? Lamar's, Lamar looked like he was a little bit off himself. So, I mean, I know we overthrew some receivers and, and lingered in the pocket too long, things like that. But is there anybody more than another that you kind of go, he had a bad day? Yeah. It, uh, I mean, if you, want to, if you want to really blame individual players uh, on the offense, the three that, that probably hurt the team more were – Lamar certainly would have to take his share of the blame because he threw an interception and he fumbled. Um, flowers for the fumble crossing the goal line is is a very big problem. Uh, John Simpson had a bad game on the offensive line. If you want to, if you want to mm-hmm. pick up somebody, had a holding call and and some other things did not go right. But you know, I, I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, it's clearly it's the offense who bears the burden for this loss. The, the, you're yeah. absolutely right. The defense did exactly what they needed to do. To win this ball game, and it's 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 on the on the yeah. offense. Like, will we feel differently if the defense had given up a touchdown in the first quarter and one in the third? Do you look at the game differently because they they literally in that first quarter they just moved the ball up and down the field on them, scored, and then after that it was like okay, nothing. Well, for me, no. He's all that matters is the final, yeah, you know, right. total. Yeah, so I agree. Four ten five eight three one zero five seven. That's the number. Baltimore's big bad morning show on fan. Jonas Schaefer's from BaltimoreSun.com joins us at 845. But Ken McCusick still in studio. Jeremy, what's your setup for Ken on the next side? Oh, we're going to get, we got to get into uh, the offense a little bit and talk about Lamar. I know you said you wanted to get back to some of that stuff. And the offensive line to me, I want to, I want to find out your take on how the rest of the guys did. Ken McCusick stays with us up next on the fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 8.17 in the a.m. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Ken McCusick joins us from filmstudybaltimore.com. All right, I want to find out about Lamar. You brought him up earlier and talking about what we saw from him. Um, I, I guess the, for me, I've always talked about the narrative in the postseason and how I hate it. Uh, as long as these things keep happening and we see games like this, it's just going to continue to build, whether that's fair or unfair, which I'm still mm-hmm. not sure of because I, I think it's a limited sample size and you have a young player that got into the postseason, so what do we know just yet? Um, what are your thoughts on what you saw from Lamar in in Saturday, uh, Sunday's game, and then of course you know just with that narrative with the postseason? Well, we'll just talk about Sunday's game for starters. I, I thought it was obviously not his best. Uh, didn't do, didn't really seem to do very well with pressure. But then he did have a couple of great plays with pressure after after he had a few times on it. The 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 long play, the touchdown of Flowers, and the other one to um, 
uh, who was it, Aguilar mm-hmm. uh, for, for 39. Those were both, uh, no, it's a 54-yard play, I'm sorry, was, uh, were also both under pressure. So he ended up with 8.8 yards per play under pressure, and that was 32% of the Chiefs thing. And in fact, the Chiefs kind of let up on their pressure a lot in the second half and went to aggressively spying him instead. So they were you know, rushing three or four, always keeping one guy lurking right around the line of scrimmage, uh, waiting for him to take off because he, he, he did some of his real effective work with his legs. But just in general, his opportunity set, not a really good performance. Um, good with good under pressure, really bad with ATS, and really bad when the ball was out quickly. Um, didn't seem to have uh, receivers breaking open quickly. That was something that, that they got done early in that second half against the Texans. They got the ball out quickly, completely different-looking offense, and they all of a sudden took off and scored 24 and answered points. And they never really had that moment in this game uh, other than that very – Second drive, though, where they got the game tied. Yeah. Kim McCusick from FilmStudyBaltimore.com. Kim, we talked about so much this team pitching that shutout in the second half. Actually, that shutout began midway through the second quarter uh, throughout the game. Who stood out defensively uh, as you watch film? Yeah, so uh, there's at least four guys who really stood out. Matt Abike had a fantastic game. Um, he drew consecutive holding penalties, took him out of field goal range. Contributed to both of the sacks. One of them he he got a piece of with uh, with Pierce. Had two other pressures. Two nice run plays. Actually, three nice run plays. And you know, if you look at this game and what it means to Matt Abike, he really improved his value going into this off season. And I think he will he'll be a player who gets tagged now almost certainly, and mm-hmm. unless they come to an agreement before then. And then what that <clears> means <throat> is the Ravens still might end up having to trade him, right. but they'll at least get a lot more value than a third round compensatory pick for him. So I think that's positive. Try to pick up the other players really quickly. Pierce had a, had a great game where he came to life in the fourth quarter. Van Noy, I thought, had a good game. He had a great diagnosis on a screen pass. Drew a hold, should have drawn another. Um, had that bad, unnecessary roughness penalty, which was just a lot of stupid falling for the instigation. But uh, you know, it, it is it is what it is. And then Hamilton was just all over. Yeah, the he was out, incredible. Yeah. He had his he, own series. Even yeah. the touchdown catch by Kelsey, he was right there. It's just a great yeah. throw. Yeah, you're right. There's no there's it's back shoulders no couldn't do anything about it. We talk about franchising Matabike, which I think is likely to happen. And there's a lot of guys who came in at once who are going to be, you know, on the market now. So the teams will look different. Joe Hortiz is is rumored to be going to the Chargers with the other Harbaugh brother. Um, could you say, explain to people what he does, and is is this a loss? So, as far as I know, he's effectively director of scouting now, and mm-hmm. and so you know he's he's their head there, and obviously that's a place where the Ravens have always had a great succession plan. If you go back, they lost Joe Douglas to the Jets. Mm-hmm. The Jets became a team that would pick up a lot of ex Ravens players. I think we could see that happening again. Obviously, uh, you know one of the fears is that developmental players that the Ravens have on their practice squad, and there are a few of them. Tayshawn Manning, Jeremy Lucian, you know, guys that Vokalek was there before he's already gone to Arizona. But there, there, there could be guys that uh, he likes and may take with him to San Diego. Uh, sorry, to Los Angeles, to the Chargers. And, and uh, might be a, you know, a potential loss there. But anyway, could, the Ravens practice squad getting poached is one of the things I'd be concerned about in, in this change. And also, you know, players like Geno Stone or whatnot, where he knows what the player can do, they may be a more likely to sign him in free agency. I'm less concerned about that kind of a loss than I am, honestly, about who on, is cheap on the margin of the roster. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, Joe Douglas is now the GM of the Jets. Yeah. And look at how they've drafted you know, since he's been there. I mean, it, it, they have the offensive and defensive players of the year in the same draft, and, and another who should it would have been if he's hauling it hurt. So these guys are really valuable. Yeah, and uh, as you look at just the way things shape up for the Ravens, we've talked a lot about the offensive line 
what Voorhees uh, should play into some sort of a role next year, I would think, for people that have forgotten about him. But um, what do you make of the O-line uh, in this game and then, of course, moving forward? Because there could be some wholesale changes. Yeah, there, there could be. And they've got a big decision to make on Ronnie Stanley. Obviously, he's the biggest. And, and, and they need to fix their left tackle problem probably over the course of the next two years. Stanley finished really strong. And, and he had, a, honestly, a good game, I thought, in this one. One pressure, uh, half a quarterback hit. That sack, as I mentioned, I didn't think was him. It was uh, after about three and a half seconds that he released his block on Amenahu. Uh, so I, I I didn't score that for him. Simpson had a difficult game. He had a D in this one. Uh, he'll be if he if he returns and he could return as a depth piece. I think he's just in the discussion to to compete with players like Cleveland and Voorhees for the starting guard spots, even if Zeitler does not return. So I don't think he's he's given a starting job. Uh, Linderbaum uh, had a pressure, uh, was run out of another by Lamar, had a couple missed blocks, a B. Zeitler, uh, an A. I don't I don't see the Ravens being able to retain him and also have Matabike under the franchise tag. By the way, that will be a significant pig in the python for the Ravens this offseason is trying to figure out how they process him off the franchise tag as quickly as possible so they can make other moves. So they, mm-hmm. they, they'll either have to decide, you know, can we sign you? If we can sign you, then great, we'll do that. If we can't sign you, then we got to trade you or we gotta, we got to figure out yeah. how we can, you know, keep money free. Moses, anyway, decent game as well. See, and he really had a good year. He's, he doesn't need to be replaced for 24, and a lot of people have been already talking about that, which I, I think is kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Ken McCusick, filmstudybaltimore.com. Ken, tell the folks all about film study. Yeah, uh, so love to have you out, out there. One article on offense, one article on defense, and eight podcasts per week. There you go. Thanks a lot, Ken. 410-583-1057. That's the number. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Jonas Schaefer joins us at 845, but on the other side is Jeremy Kahn, World of Stupid. Yeah, we're going to get in the World of Stupid and have some fun. Uh, I do want to get into conspiracy theories. We had uh, some interesting stuff regarding the Ravens, Taylor Swift, and then that kind of carried over to um, Boomer Esiason almost getting in a fight. <laughs> Against uh, with a Ravens fan after he was yelling at Bill Cowher. I'll, I'll tell you that story. We'll get into some other things here that we have uh, that are pretty funny as well. Uh, get into all that. That's coming up in the world of stupid right here on the fan. All right, all right, all right. Let's get stupid here. So one of the stories I wanted to start with um, comes from this crazy video. And look, we had some kind of dark stories today. It was a base jumper. You guys can guess it. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Mm-hmm. He leapt 29 stories to his death as his parachute failed to open. British Daredevil unknowingly leapt to his death, leaping to his death, um, as parachute failed to open during a base jump from a 29-story building in Thailand. Natty Odinson, 33, who posts videos and stunts. I'm watching stuff like, have either one of you guys, and, and I, why am I even talking to Rob about this one? Ed, have you ever been like, um, uh, what's the right word? I don't want to say an action junkie, but you know, you know these people that that love. Oh, I got to be on the edge of this. I love heights. I love dangerous things. Yeah. I love you know. You need that in your life to yeah, kind I'm of total adrenaline junkie and danger junkie. You are. I, I, that's why well, I love being a cop. Yeah, and that's why I rode a motorcycle and all these. You know, I just I miss all that stuff. I see. I miss like. So I, don't, I don't think you understand what adrenaline and danger junkie. Jumping out of a plane is not it. I too had a motorcycle until my friend died. Well, I didn't even consider like the police thing. Officer. Yeah, yeah that, that I was in the military. Yeah. So, so those things do factor yeah, you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm adrenaline more, kind of guy. Yeah. I'm thinking more on the line of like jumping off of a building, nah, jumping out of a skyscraper. No, We've no, already talked. You perfectly good building. You wouldn't swim off. with sharks. I yeah, wouldn't like, swim. You can't swim <laughs> with sharks. <laughs> 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 
But no, but I mean, this stuff we've seen this with the was it the flying Walendas when they were walking across. We've uh, if you've seen the um, uh, God, what's the movie where the guy uh, he does the walk? Uh, Lily Petit. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, the documentary about the guy doing yeah. There's so many of these. I watch the mountain climbers, the guys that, uh, you know, climb with without, you know, free climbing, solo climbing, whatever, the free solo. Like, that stuff is insane to me because, like, you could still do it and have a safety net. You know, you could still do it and tie yourself down, but they don't want that. And we see stories that end like this all too often. Um, and you've actually, in your lifetime, Ed, you came across a couple of what and I don't know about you, Rob. Jumpers, and then you a had a lot the, of jump. People you had went the horrific to York, story with Eric Clapton's kid too. People went to New York City just to jump out windows. They literally they would go to the to high buildings, the hotels, and uh, decide they could commit suicide and just go there. Um, all right, so I want to ask you about this. Which again, this is another one. Pampered Italian dog. You've seen people. I have dogs. I would do anything for my dogs. I'm not buying them a twenty thousand dollar wardrobe, which we're going to talk about. But like, I take care of my dogs. They eat mm-hmm. well. You know, like uh, they live a, a nice life. I could not imagine doing this. Italian Greyhound boasts a $20,000 designer wardrobe and attends catwalk shows around the globe. Tika, who's 12, is draped in a luxury, uh, it, draped in luxury by owner Thomas Sharpio, 32. The canine has $20,000 worth of designer clothing and attends fashion shows every week, flying all over around the world. Um, would you like to see a picture of sweet little Tika? Rob, I know you would never. You ain't dressing any dog up, right? No. Man, look at man, this. Ed. Stupidest thing. Look at that. Oh, wow. That's How? really excessive. That's a lot, right? That's really stupid. What do you think about people that, uh, uh, you know, their pets or their children? I don't have a problem with that because don't compare the two because if you can leave your house and leave your pet out, I can't leave my four-year-old and just go out with the Exactly. Friends. Like, so don't, it's not the same, but I get it because I have pets as well. I understand the love you have for them. I ain't. I've dressed my my dogs up in outfits for Halloween. Had some fun with it's winter. Put a sweater on them or something. Uh, this is designer wardrobes and all this nonsense. I've never. My dogs wouldn't tolerate it. Like, the, oh my god! Yeah. Look at this. Greyhounds are, by the way, some of the funniest looking dogs. And don't let them get out. Like the, those tiny ass heads. They're so fast. I, like I had a friend that adopted a bunch of greyhounds. Um, mm. and great dogs, but you know, used for sport, used for racing because they're so damn fast but it's just crazy all right this last story conspiracy theories first off uh i'm gonna tie this in with what happened to uh our buddy boomer um as he was at the train station so first off there was the the thing that came out it said oh the nfl has made over 330 million off of taylor swift Mm -hmm. from uh publicity you know, like the the fact that she's been at the events, the fact that she's dating Travis Kelsey. It's not just sports stations that are talking about it. It's news stations. It's kind of crossed over everything where sports fans are just tired of it. Um, so there are a lot of people that buy into the conspiracy theories that are going on. Like if you made $330 million offer, why wouldn't you want her at the Super Bowl then when it's your biggest event? Mm-hmm. I, I listen to that. I don't think the fix was in or anything like that. I would want her there. Yeah. Am I going to fix it for her to be there? That, that's a, those are two completely different topics, Jeremy. So that's does the NFL want her there? I'm sure they do. It's it's it's, it's money. Again, now ask would the NFL fix it for her to be there? That's a different answer. So according to Boomer Esiason, and this is how the story went. Uh, he was relaying the story on his morning show. Said a, a Ravens fan approached Bill Cowher, claiming that the NFL was rigged. Uh, Taylor Swift was part of the fan was part of the fan's theory, and the specifics of the thinking of the man remain unclear. 
If he gets any closer, I may have to get up and effing smash this guy in the face. I'm like pissed off now. I'm trying to watch the game and this idiot screaming about how the NFL is rigged and it's this, that, and the other thing. Burleson had been away from the group at that point, but understandably became upset when returning to the scene unfolding. Nate is ready to come out of his suit and rip this guy's face off. He was right in the middle of it, Esiason said, um, as they went back and forth. Eventually, everything gets separated, so it's much ado about nothing, but it is somebody approaching somebody in the NFL and telling them, hey, everything's rigged. You know, mm-hmm. Did you guys get the script? How do you guys feel about that? Because, look, it's hard for me. Conspiracy theorists drive me nuts because they believe everything. I don't, I don't, you know, the the rig. It's just it's hard for me to believe that, Jeremy. Yeah. And maybe I'm just maybe I'm just that naive to think that doesn't happen. And I'm sure it does, but I just I don't believe the rig thing. Look, we've seen things have happened on a, a grand scale. We know the Black Sox scandal. We've heard about Tim Donaghy. Um, there have been guys that have taken money and tried to fix games in college hoops and college football. That stuff has gone on, but I think you'd have to be kind of off your rocker to think the NFL is going to be able to issue out what's going to happen to every single referee to what they want to happen. And none of this ever gets out. Not, not once. Not like, yeah, nobody. I think it's preposterous. I, so, I mean, I just have a, I have a really hard time with it. Like I'd like to bitch when I lose a game that the game was fixed and that way it's just makes it easier. Yeah. But that's not the case. And you know, stories like this of people, people have gotten so brash and approaching people. Yeah. Um, they think they're, it's somehow exactly. they're, it's okay. they're right. It's yeah. their right. Yep. Like I laughed at uh, Stavi when he was talking about Jason Kelsey jumping out of uh, the suite in Baltimore and mm-hmm. running into a guy that blew out his knee his senior year of high school or else he would have went pro yes. and now he steals catalytic converters. Yeah. And he thinks he can beat up Jason Kelsey jumping out of there. Yeah. He can't, but he thinks he can. So <laughs> he'd end up getting in a fight. Like I thought that was funny, but. I could actually see that happening. Me too. <laughs> so um, they somehow think they have a right to, and they think they have a right to say anything to you. Yeah, I, I just remember the stories, like uh, talking about um, whether it's MMA fighters or boxers that are out and about, or even some of these basketball players that were known as bad boys, Dennis Rodman, Charles Barkley. There were guys that always tried to push their buttons to try to get that almighty dollar off of a mm-hmm. being able to sue them or whatever, but challenging these guys. Like there was a guy that was thrown through a plate glass window uh, at a bar. Did Barkley did it. Yeah. yeah. The guy wouldn't stop mouthing off. So, I don't know. I don't know what people are looking for. Again, my my big problem with conspiracy, like, if I met somebody that had a bit, like, their conspiracy, th- th- like, I know this happened. I'm, I'm positive, and you're running with it. Okay, I'm going to listen to you. But when you start listing, like, 50 different things that are going on, I'm not saying that some of them couldn't be true. I'm just telling you all of them aren't. It's just stupid. I mean, listen, and just there's 1,700 players if you do the 53-man rosters. That doesn't count the practice squad, the entire coaching staff, the administrative staffs, the referees. So they're all in on it, and no one's talking. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk more about those conspiracy theories because there's some people right now who believe there is a big one because of yeah, the partnerships. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, Jeremy Kahn. We'll do that at 9 o'clock, but on the other side, Jonas Schaefer. From uh, Baltimore Sun, BaltimoreSun.com. He wants to talk some Baltimore Ravens as well. Baltimore Banner, I'm sorry. Baltimore Banner. He wants to talk some Ravens as well. He had a very interesting article that we kind of passed around in that little group text. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. 846 in the AM, Baltimore's Big Bad Morning Show on the fan. Ed Norris, Rob Long, Jeremy Kahn. Joining us right now from the Baltimore Banner, he is Jonas Schaefer. What's going on, Jonas? Doing well, doing well. We can barely hear you. You had a tweet yesterday, and I'm going to read directly uh, from the tweet. There have been 568 NFL games played this season, including in the playoffs, 
the Ravens' run design rate Sunday versus Kansas City ranked 563rd, sixth lowest. Um, Jonas, I've watched this team for a long time, uh, multiple eras, and they've always been a run-first team. This team right now possesses arguably the best running quarterback in the National Football League, who, by the way, has proven to be a good pa- a good passer as well. But I-, I scratched my head at the game plan that I saw Sunday. Yeah, me too. I mean, if you want to be charitable to Todd Munkin, you can say that a couple of those early runs that they didn't look like they had much of a chance and that it was smart to, to move away to the pass. But, you know, I disagree with that because you you had the, the long run by Gus Edwards, his, his only run of the first half where he breaks a 15-yarder. That came after like a 21-yarder from Lamar where he busts up the middle. I mean, those two runs uh, were, you know, big runs in their only scoring drive of that game. You know, they're their only touchdown scoring drive of that game. So, you know, it, it never got so out of hand in the third quarter that you needed to ditch the running game entirely. Uh, I mean, you know, even when you think about that 2019 loss to the Titans in the playoffs, I, I still think they finished with like 21 carries. And for this one to have 11 design runs, 10 fewer than that one, uh, it, it's just kind of mind-boggling. And, you know, we talked to the players uh, after the game. We talked to them Monday as they're cleaning out their locker rooms. Everyone kind of towed the party line, said, you know, you can only run the plays that are called. And there's also the, the consideration that, like, you know, Lamar, being as empowered as he is at the line of scrimmage, might have had a hand in, in you know, calling uh, the run play if, if he had an option, or calling the pass play, excuse me, if there was an option of two that he got from from Todd Munkin in his headset. So there, there's a lot of opacity to this, but still, it, it's not a good process to, to run the ball as few as they, uh, as they did on Sunday. Yeah, it just it's, it's. I find it really hard to believe that they just didn't panic, like they did, because that's the feeling I got when they had the Tennessee collapse in nineteen, where they're behind by one score, eight points, and they stop running. Here, it's the same thing. They're behind by seven at, at one point. We're not going to run anymore. Gus had I think one handoff in the first half, and like, and then the stupid penalties, you know, the headbutting and the things like that, and the taunt. It just to me felt like the wheels started to come off for absolutely no reason. They were, they were a much better team than the Chiefs this year. Yeah, it, it, there was a lack of maturity that we hadn't seen in a long, long time. I mean, it, it's weird because I think the the game with their most penalties was the game to start the year. That was the game against Houston. If you guys remember, they had like 13 penalties or something, but it didn't matter because they were the better team from start to finish, and that was just a footnote. But so many of their penalties in that game on Sunday came back to bite them, you know, cost them points or, or gave the, the, the Chiefs more weapons, uh, you know, more ammunition to go get points. And you know, the, the confusing thing about just how much they kind of choked a little bit in that, in that uh, second half when they were trailing in the second quarter as well is that, you know, obviously Lamar had not spent a whole lot of time in a trailing position this year, but you look at the stats, he was the NFL's most efficient quarterback when the Ravens were trailing. You think about you know, that game against the Rams where he comes back and leads them to that, that go-ahead score late in the fourth quarter. There's so many other times this year where he was trailing after the first quarter and he was lights out. But for whatever reason, you know his own weaknesses, the, the Chiefs defense, the rain, the weather, the pressure, it just didn't come together. Jonas, what are your thoughts on Harbaugh? Um, he said the same thing in 2019 that he said – after this game about the run, you know, the, oh, just kind of got away from it. And uh, he's always the same guy when they lose. 
uh, very you know short spoken, and then of course when they win, loves everyone. Um, what are your thoughts on what we've seen here? Do you place any blame at his feet? It's tough to say because I mean you you can't blame him for well. I don't want to say you can't blame him. You know, it, it's tough to blame the, the coach of a team that, that never trails for, for not having them prepared <laughs> to, mm-hmm. yeah. to come back in the, in, the, in the third or fourth quarter. Um, you know, it's not like he can, uh, you know, intentionally dr- dr- uh, drum up adversity for the team to come through. Um, and, and I thought that when they did face adversity in the regular season, for the most part, they did a good job. You know, obviously there were the losses to the Colts and the Steelers where you kind of shake your head and, and scratch scratch your head and just wonder why things weren't, weren't better but you know i understand why there is uh, a loud minority of fans who are looking for a scalp this week and john harbaugh as the, the figurehead of this organization is definitely the, the most logical person to go to because you're not going to part ways with lamar jackson but um it's just the whole issue of you know are you sure that you can find someone better? And uh, I don't think there's more than like a 10 or 15% chance that you're moving on from John Harbaugh to find a guy who has this team better, you know, in better shape next year, five years, 10 years from now to go win a Super Bowl. There he is, Jonah Schaefer. Jonah, tell us what you're working on and uh, how we can find you on social media. Yeah, sure. Just Baltimore Banner, BaltimoreBanner.com. Um, I guess we don't really know yet what the next Raven stuff coming up is. Uh, you know, hoping to get that John Harbaugh slash Eric Dacosta presser soon, uh, but if not, we'll uh, we'll try to, we'll try to find some interesting stuff to write about. Hey, Jay, thanks a lot, Jonas. Appreciate it, guys. All right, now now Ed saw what was happening on the middle screen. I saw it too. I think you pointed it out to him. Ed, personally. Ed, no, he told me. Ed, tell him. <laughs> nope. Tell him what you saw on the middle screen. What's going on right there? The, you know, the cast there on ESPN. They were they're discussing should the taunting rule be changed in the NFL. I think we should discuss it because uh, it go it you know go to it follows Joe's rant this morning. It's like I just I don't know I I'm not buying that we even need this as a penalty unless someone's like in your face banging into your face mask with theirs. Like it's trash talk goes on in every sport. I mean I'm you know, I'm sure it goes on to basketball. Yeah. Oh God! If you hear the things that guys say to one another playing basketball. Yeah. Um, and football goes on. I mean, just you know, over the line, people say filthy things to each other, awful things. But doesn't every sport have some level of yes. taunting call? Yeah. Well, my point gotta, is this. Well, not really. Does hockey have something? Taunting? Not that I can think of. I mean, everybody's an unsportsmanlike conduct. You can also fight in that sport. Yeah. So you don't have to taunt. Because if you do that, you get punched in the face. What year is it, you savages? Uh, anyway. Well, we don't do that in basketball. We fake fall and cry about it. I know. You don't have fight straps on your tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> fight straps. <laughs> Could you imagine that in the NBA? They're talking about Draymond should retire because he's he's uh, got a screw loose. And then if he were in the NHL, everybody's like, this guy's great. <laughs> it's just funny. But they, the re- when you get an authentic NHL jersey, it's got a fight strap in the back. Mm. So your jersey can't be pulled over your head. My whole thing, though, and what they were doing is they were showing – People pointing to defenders as they go into the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah. They were showing spinning the ball uh, at the first down. All these things. And, Jeremy, my question is this. With all of these things going on without a flag, how do you, in the AFC championship game, late in the third quarter, throw that taunting flag? If that's taunting six other th- – I don't care what Preston said, man. Mm-hmm. If that's taunting, six other things that happened in that game were taunting as well. 
That's I'm not arguing with you taunting. I'm just saying there's a lot of taunting going on in the game. How do you how do you pick that out of all the other things that happen? It's a hell of a time to throw it then, right? Exactly. Yeah. Out of all the things that happen in that game, that's the one you choose. It's over. The, oh, that's just too much. The headbutt, that deserved it. That's not taunting. That's just you, you still headbutt. That. That's what I said. You can't do that. But the reaction yeah. to the headbutt, the reaction to how okay, you throw a 15-yard flag. Now Travis Kelsey's clapping in your face and pointing. Mm-hmm. That's not taunting. Sure it is. So how do, you choose, how do you choose that particular play and say, this is too much? And it goes by before the conversation. I think you brought it up with you. It just be even. If you're going to call a game a certain way, if you're going to let people play, you're going to swallow your whistle for this game, okay. And call everything the same. Yeah. You know? Because when you get subjective calls like this where, well, that's not ta- Well, that's taunting. Yeah. Because he was gyrating his hips. Exactly. You know, instead of like, you know, mocking you in another way. Like what Tyreek Hill does. When he, when he, you can't he catch you him. He points. Sign. Yeah, he gives you the peace sign. You can't catch him. So, yeah. <laughs> that brings up something. Bad officiating is on the rise. And fans are suspicious. And we're going to tell you why up next on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.